How do you like being labelled the colouring in department or the spending department? Not very much, I'm sure. And that's why it's really important as marketeers that we get used to and understand how we measure the value that we add to the businesses that we work for. That's where Gabe Hughes comes in, a true expert in marketing measurement. Welcome to Through the Line, the Agency Squared podcast with me, Andy Bargery. In this episode, Gabe joins me to explore everything there is to know about marketing attribution. Well, as much as you can fit into about 30 minutes, in which we cover everything from last click to first click to data driven to incrementality testing. And even we touch upon the pros and cons of using the new Google Analytics 4 platform. If you want to know about marketing measurement, you're in the right place. I hope you enjoy the show. Gabe, good morning. Welcome to Through the Line. Good morning, Andy. Pleased to be here. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm okay. I've got my coffee ready to go. <laughs> the day <laughs> can't start without a coffee, can it? I, I'm, I'm not a morning person, so I need I need coffee. Um, yeah. <laughs> good, good. Well, thanks ever so much for coming on to the show. I, I'm really excited to have you here because we're going to be talking about performance measurement and ROI. And that's one of those subjects that I think is always high up on the list of marketeers. How do I show ROI or what do I do to you know justify the fact that I'm trying to get this budget from my board or the directors? Right. Or I've done this campaign, how do I really know whether it worked? Yes. Indeed. And if I understand correctly, you're pretty much the guy that wrote the book on attribution modeling whilst working at Google. And you've got a lot of expertise in attribution and measurement. And that's what I'm hoping we can have a little look at today. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it was a long time ago now, um, uh, you know, the, the actual attribution modeling that you um, had in GA. So I'm using the past tense here because, of course, GA has changed now. But all those positional models and model comparisons, well, they were all patented in 2011 out of London, out of Google in London. And I had been working with a team of analysts and uh, data scientists and engineers there on understanding the user journey to conversion and how could we best summarize and represent that. And also, you know, we identified the problem of of last click um, and why that wasn't really helping advertisers and why it wasn't helping Google either. And so we, yeah, we developed and and patented uh, the first attribution modeling. And those models are just about hanging on, but of course we always knew that data-driven was coming and we can talk about all of that. But um, yeah, I've been immersed in all of that. I mean, and before Google, I was, you know, working for a research company in product development for, um, it's now part of Kantar, TNS it was, and, you know, measuring sort of brand uh, performance of digital ads and things like that. So I've really been around the houses on measuring advertising and marketing performance and ROI. Excellent. Okay. And and I think if we look specifically at attribution modeling it's interesting because it's a good time for us to be having a conversation because the switch over to to GA4 has just happened I think it was what last Saturday that uh, Universal Analytics stopped collecting data yeah end of June and uh, people will have seen this horrible sort of countdown like one of those (laughs) bombs in a sci-fi movie that's about to go off you know forcing you to switch over Um, of course the enterprise brands that the, the you know the guys who are paying for GA I don't know what you call it now um, GA 360 GA Enterprise the new GA 4 for Enterprise they do have another 12 months 
so they're, they've woken up, they're thinking about it. Actually, I think what's happening is that the folks who are on the standard, the, the free edition, are, well, it's unfortunate, but they're kind of guinea pigs um, serving the, you know, the needs of those enterprise customers who will pick up. Like, maybe that's a bit unfair on Google. They are shipping quite a lot quite quickly. It's a yeah. new approach with GA4, yeah. I didn't know there was the two tiers there in terms of who's who's carrying on with the universal analytics uh, data. So that's quite interesting that the, the free edition users are definitely guinea pigs in that respect, aren't they? Yeah, that's right. I mean, um, you know, your enterprise customers just they need a bit more time, um, but also I guess they expect not to be pushed into making a particular decision. Sometimes with these Google releases, they get delayed as well, so it's possible it'll get it'll get delayed a, a, again. Uh, but GA4 is is definitely um, you know the way forward. We can talk about that. There's a lot. There's a lot to say about it. <laughs> yeah, let's let's get on to that. I'd really like to just explore and unpack a little bit the basics of performance measurement for for marketeers. You know, attribution's one part of it and an important part. And I think I do a lot of teaching of CIM qualifications and marketing apprenticeships. And whenever we get to the conversation around attribution modeling, generally speaking, there's a bit of a blank look on the face of the person looking at me in that either they haven't come across it or they've heard all the different terms, you know, first click, last click, et cetera, but don't really understand it and definitely aren't using it. So I think it'd be quite useful just to, I guess, have a 101 on attribution uh, and, and then to have a look at other ways in which marketeers can measure performance. Yeah, I used to do this um, kind of gag when uh, I was presenting on on attribution um, at, at Google and also you know, elsewhere. You know, I would stand up and I would say, "Hands up if you're doing attribution," and um, you know, only two or three people would put their hands up. More these days, of course. And then it, it was a trick question, of course, because you're all doing attribution. If you're not doing attribution then what you're saying is I haven't thought about the particular methodology of attribution modeling and multi-touch, but what, you know, in its most basic form, forget about all of that path analysis, just think about assigning value to your marketing and saying, this is what my marketing is worth. And, you know, even if you're even on just one channel, you will have different kinds of campaigns. There will be multiple interactions uh, and most, of course, most digital marketers in particular are across now social, email, affiliate, as well as search and organic search and all the different categories of search and PPC shopping and all of those things uh, to, and video and, you know, and there's more. So they have to think about how do these things work together? How do they interact with one another? Yeah. What is that path to sale? And what is each touch point worth is kind of implicitly a question, even if you don't have a methodology for disentangling that and working out what what it is it's, you know as you spend money and you make judgments about what's working and what's not working you're implicitly attributing value to that marketing yes and last click you know is an attribution model uh it's just the default that was always there from the start and, and will not die by the way it's one of the things that does survive in geo4 <laughs> oh really okay i think it's probably the easiest one to understand even though obviously it has challenges yeah, it's easiest to understand and actually it's the easiest to technically measure as well because it's, you know, close in proximity and time to the actual conversion. So it's the, the one that's least likely to lose data in the process. But the one of the ways to, to get into the particular methodology of attribution and 
as I'm suggesting, I like to think in terms of more broadly, how we measure marketing, of which attribution is just a method, and there are yes. other methods out there that you should consider. But, um, you know, to think about just the multi-touch bit, if you start off by explaining why last click is, um, and I hesitate to say wrong, but why it's a problematic way of measuring your marketing, that's quite a good way into it. So the explanation there is, look, you know, you're trying to measure what is essentially a psychological process that's going on where marketers are trying to influence people to, you know, to buy their product. So there's a process of, you know, brand awareness, research and consideration, the, the old the old concept of a funnel, yeah. sort of necessary stages that people have to go through before they actually buy something, right? They can't, they're not going to consider your brand if they're not aware of it, and they're not going to buy your brand if they haven't first considered it. And sometimes these days that happens very quickly, but nonetheless, they go through that process. So what happens in that process is they start from a position of not knowing whether they're going to buy from you or not, maybe not even being aware of you. And they end up with actually a decision to purchase. So at some point during that journey, they make up their mind right, about what they're going to do. Well, with the last click, you are guaranteeing that you will catch them at the latest possible moment where they're most likely right, to have already made up their mind. Um, and if marketing does anything at all, it should be influencing people before they've made up their mind. Absolutely. And not after they've made up their mind. So that's why... You know, is to say last click is just too late in the process. Um, even if you're a really hardcore performance marketer, last click is just capturing, with very few exceptions, people don't just jump in and buy something without any kind of, from a cold start to just buying it. Completely. It does happen, but it's it's pretty rare. Yeah, completely. And, and I think in in the way in which we buy things these days we spend a lot more time doing research before we even get close to contacting a brand i think so that the last click as you say is is too late almost yeah it, we're researching or if it's an emotional purchase you know we, we it's something that we've become excited about because i don't know we've seen a right an ad on one of the socials for it and we've, we've picked it up maybe someone's talked about it you know we have an affinity with it so even for the sort of non-rational, emotional, sort of brand-driven purchases, there is this warming up that happens. There's mm. the job of brand advertising, um, you know, which is which is inherently problematic to measure. But again, these are touch points and influences that happen much earlier in the process um, prior to the actual last moment of purchase, which last click captures. Okay, so if we agree that last click is is interesting, but not transformational because it's a little bit too late in the buying journey for us to really be too concerned what are the measures or the attribution models that consider earlier on in that sales process okay so just as i say sticking sticking with just the attribution piece which is, is isn't the whole story here yeah. um so we're talking now with attribution with what's happened to cookies we are just talking about a series of clicks so we're just leaving out influences of you know um impression-based exposure essentially which you have to measure in different ways and you know with, with, with metagenie my company we, we have approaches to that but sticking with the clicks you know when it came to the positional models we started off recommending that people just compare different attribution models so uh, the first touch for example is a really interesting touch point for uh the new customer acquisition Mm. Uh, in other words, this is the first time that anyone interacts with you, uh, the first time they visit your site or your app or what have you, that first touch, if you can measure that, even if they don't buy, if they then come back later and purchase something, 
we'd have to agree that that first engagement is you know, first impressions count, right? So um, yeah, that that that's an interesting one. It's completely the opposite end of the funnel. And actually, what you used to find with the positional models is if you then did things like linear attribution, which shares all the credit equally, or other positional models, they would generally find a value that was somewhere between the first and the last bit. What, what happens, right, is you know, take a simple search example. People do generic searches, right? They search for your category, right? And right, so they're searching for, I don't know, a pair of shoes. Uh, and then they decide that they really like shoes from the brand shoe. I'm mentioning them because they're a client of ours. <laughs> and so they end up buying a pair of shoes from shoe. And, um, you know, they've gone through that process. So that first touch may not be on a shoe ad. It may be, or it, or it may just be a generic search that is on a shoe ad, but then comes in to see shoe and they just, okay, they've discovered it, but then they go and research alternatives. And then the last one is more likely to be a brand search where you actually type in the brand name and then they purchase something. And so what would happen is in last click, obviously the brand search looks like it's really performing really well. The generic search looks really expensive, but when you start to flip it and look at the other end of the funnel, that first touch, you realize that actually there's credit there that is owed, as it were, to this generic search. That's a very sort of tedious search example, but um, once you then expand it to other things, uh, you know, and, and there are common patterns that come up, right? So you often find that affiliates often do very well on last click, for example, but then, you know, people aren't using those affiliates. Um, necessarily um, early on, uh, right? They're, they're, again, they're using search or they're being influenced by social or something like that. And then the affiliates are there to close to close the deal as they look, I don't know, for money off value. That's right. It would make that, sense. Yeah. yeah. Do they really deserve the credit then is, is, is the next question. Are, are they really offering incremental value if people are just sweeping in at the last minute to find a voucher code, for example? Yes. Yeah. It's that's really interesting to think of it that way, and and you know with with that last click and the, and the affiliates you're mentioning there totally disregards all of the investment marketeers making brand, I suppose, doesn't it? And all those other yeah, it's done all the work to get them interested, <laughs> and then the affiliate swoops in at the last minute and says, you know, that's mine. Takes that um, commission. I'm not and... saying that affiliates aren't good value, and obviously the thing about affiliates is there's a huge range of different affiliates. So we sometimes find that actually a good content affiliate, for example. And sometimes be quite up a funnel um, where you're reading research and reviews. Sometimes that is the first touch point. So they're not all the same. It's a very broad category. And that, that takes me to another point about, you know, attribution like this. I mean, here we are talking about channel attribution, old generic search, brand search, affiliate. But the other thing that happens is once you disentangled, as it were, the sequence of channel interactions that is happening, the other thing you, you do is you unpack those channels and you look within them and you say, which specific search campaigns or keywords uh, are involved or which specific affiliates and so on. And within each category, the, the methodology, just to come back to ROI and measurement, is really about moving, sim- very simply, moving money into activities that work and away from activities that don't work. And what attribution is saying is, well, what works then? What is working? How does it work? That's, that's what it's asking. And that makes sense. And presumably once you've done that analysis, you've got some sense as to what is working, you shift some budget over there, then you can test and refine and move things around based on what's working at the time. So it's not a kind of one-off snapshot, here's the result. It's a, an ongoing test and learn process, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you know, you need that test and learn. I mean, I guess, you know, what, 
there is a decision that is generally made about for reporting purposes for, for, for having that conversation with the you know the CFO or whatever the rest of the team or, or to pass on to your agency okay what is our attribution approach that we're using you don't want it to be this sort of technical discussion that just some measurement geeks in the corner talk about <laughs> you want to kind of decide what your true north is what your KPI is figure out how you're going to measure it and then you know use that and in the background, those geeks can worry about whether or not that model is correct. They can validate it. They can worry about different types of tests and measurement. And you can refine as you go, but you can't get too bogged down, obviously, in the complexity of it because you've got a job to do. You've got, you've got products to sell. Um, but in the end, what you're, you know, the reason why I think there's still something which is, keeps people awake at night <laughs> is because, and especially right now, people are struggling, right? I mean, what's happening is costs, Certainly in the big channels, um, certainly in search, they're rising faster than inflation. So marketing budgets are being squeezed. ROI is necessarily under pressure. So people are desperate to get control of that ROI mm. and you know, get a realistic sense of where that ROI is going. And they're having to work really hard to stand still. And they, you know, those conversations with the CFO, they've got to justify that budget. And so they, they, they need a, some measurement that they can really rely on. Um, and to explain why, you know, and how this sort of complex multi-channel marketing activity uh, works. That makes sense. And if we're thinking about measurement, I suppose, more broadly outside of attribution or positional models, if you've, as you've called them a few times, you know, what other ways can we use to understand what's working and what isn't working, I suppose? Yeah, so just, you know, last word on attribution. So you get off the positional models and then you're talking about data-driven. So, you know, for a long time it's been okay so isn't there a clever way of assigning credit that is just correct? And so, and then, and then it, you know, then you have data-driven. Now, there are different flavors of data-driven. Not all data-driven models are the same. So in a sense, it's still a hall of mirrors. Um, we actually use custom predictive models because we think they're the most accurate. So, you know, we use uh, our client's data to predict the sale, and then we use that to assign credit. Um, and you can then measure the objective accuracy. In a sort of AI uh, approach, okay. uh, Google has its own DDA baked in. So there's data-driven attribution, and then stepping aside from just the you know that multi-touch piece, um, okay, you've got to think about the impressions now. So we don't have these cookies anymore. You can't factor in you know uh, these right social views and videos and so on. So what do you do about those? It will massively undervalue your social. If you want to experiment with social and you put it through um, your attribution pipeline. You're going to get a few clicks. It's going to look poor, and you're not going to be able to justify that increased investment. How do you justify that? Uh, and the answer is you need a way to measure that impression value, and there are different approaches to this. And they have in common, uh, you know, with um, the broader problem of how do I measure branding and how do I measure above the line? What if I'm doing, you know, um, what if I'm doing good old TV or, yeah. or, or, or radio, <laughs> you know? What do I do about the high street if I'm a large brand who has a physical high street presence? And how do I think about the interaction between offline and online? And so increasingly, people are turning to market mix modeling, okay. which has sort of made a bit of a comeback. And uh, it's, a, you know, it's another methodology predates um, attribution modeling as such. Econometric modeling, it's also known as. And uh, this is a methodology that, well, it, it, it statistically, I mean, it goes back to sort of, I don't know, 50s or 60s or something like that, 
that really took off in the sort of 80s and 90s because you needed computers to do it. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's a very statistical approach. And we're actually, um, you know, doing this as well now. A uh, number of brands do it to measure um, really long-term trends and the relationship between marketing and, and, and those trends. It's a very, very different approach. Um, if you like, you know, attribution is really close up and tactical and granular yeah. and looks at every touch point. Market mix modeling is like a bird's eye view. It looks at the whole picture. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, interesting. One, so perhaps you can use the both in tandem. You've got, sorry, Gabe, go on. You're, you're well, there is one more. There's, sometimes people think of a triangle. The other one you have to mention is, of course, incrementality testing and A-B testing, sort of control experiments. So there's this sort of, okay. you know, yeah. triumvirate, if, uh, if that's the right word, you know, uh, I think of it as a triangle. There's three points on it. There's, you know, there's attribution, there's MMM, and there's incrementality testing. Got you. What are the kind of challenges that marketeers come across when they think about how do we start to get a closer view as to what is working in our marketing? Well, I mean, the, the, the basic problem is you're, you're trying to sort of fix the house and live in it at the same time, isn't it? So usually it's kind of like at the point where they critically need the measurement, they haven't got time to organize the measurement. They're like, well, oh, we've got a decision next week <laughs> to make about how many millions we should spend on, on paid search, you know, whether we're going to switch our agency or whether we're going to you know, throw a load of money experimentally at, uh, I don't know, TikTok or something. And they've not tried it before. And they, 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 they then need the evidence, um, but they don't have the evidence. And, and then if they are then investing in measurement, um, they've got the problem of trying to do the measurement while they're also doing the marketing. So this is why, I mean, the reason why, you know, A-B testing and incrementality testing isn't more widely used. It's widely held to be the gold standard. But you're talking about turning activity off in order to measure it. So here you are, you've got big plans to take over the world, you've got sales targets to meet, you've got marketing budget to spend, you've got lots of complex agencies and technology to work with, and suddenly you're having to basically mess with your campaign activity and not run certain activity in certain locations and, mm. and, and wait for complex measurement to validate later on whether it's worked or not. And so, you know, it's small wonder that people just go, oh, yeah, let's just carry on. And don't actually bother. <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah. hard to do is, 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 I suppose, the short answer. And it takes time to set up in advance. And marketers are under short-term pressure to perform. Yeah, yeah there's, the, there's always that challenge, isn't there, with marketeers, is we have kind of, we're trying to achieve things that take, you know, five to 10 years to do, but we only give ourselves a kind of one to two-year timeline to do it before we think about moving on to a new role somewhere else or changing brands. And, and that, I think, creates difficulties in all sorts of areas, not least measurement. Yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a pressure to get results, um, and um, that is just normal. It's just the nature of the beast. There's a lot of money at stake. It's the largest, you know, budget uh, discretionary sort of. A lot of companies, you know, their biggest suppliers are like Google and Meta, right? Yeah. So, um, it's, so people are spending a lot of money. So there's a lot of scrutiny there, and there's a demand to get results. So it's this irony that you know the best way to sort of get results and optimize that budget is to measure it very carefully and optimize. But at the same time, you know, you just need results. So the temptation is to throw money and yeah. hope some of it sticks, um, really. So, uh, and also just to do whatever you did last year. So changing course and changing tactics is always riskier than just going, 
well, you know, we did all right. Our ROI might be slowly declining, but, you know, we, we can just hang on in there and keep spending money in, in the way we always have done. And, you know, it should be okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a brave marketeer that, you know, really takes a, goes off at a tangent or takes a big decision to let's just switch off for a minute, start to build a, a measurement program so we can assess what works rather than just, well, we've always done it this way. Let's carry on doing it. Yeah, no, exa- exactly. And, and, then, and then who do you, who do you trust to do that measurement is the other one then. So if you haven't got the teams in-house, then it's just extra budget to bring in someone like Metagenie, for example, for independent view. And so you'll end up giving it to your agency to figure out or you'll rely on, you know, out-of-the-box tools like Google tools and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, uh, and, and can you trust them? I mean, you know, the, the, the problem is, of course, these, these guys are potentially marking, marking their own homework um, and they tend to be quite siloed on what yeah. they're doing. Yeah. But you can see why people default to that. Yes. Yeah, it's the it's the the easiest route to an answer, whether it's the right answer or not, I suppose, is a different question, isn't it? Well, this is it. And and actually surprisingly large number of people are just content with an answer. As long as they're making that target, you know, um, why rock the boat yeah. by, by, okay. by messing around with measurement. You know, on the other hand, you know, you do get success stories, and that what, what, what happens is people go, okay. We're going to take a, you know, we're going to take a risk with a new strategy here. We're going to move forward. We're going to measure it as well. It, it is a way, I think, if you are trying something new, to provide a bit of insurance, a bit of a fallback, because you can say, look, guys, we're going to test this. After eight weeks, we're going to review where we've got to. If it looks like a disaster, we'll switch it off. But if it doesn't, we'll keep going. And if you bake that measurement into a big strategic movement there it can become a way for you to actually course correct mm. and, and, and provide a rational basis. But in the worst case scenario, if it doesn't work out, you can say, look, you know, we did, we did, um, we did this properly, you know, uh, and, and you're, not, you're not wasting money because you're doing it in a sort of methodical, rational way. You've got control over yeah. the ROI. Yeah. And, of course, you've, you've measured something. So now that you know if it didn't work, well, we can go back to where we were. And we've tried that route out. We've tested something else out to see if it might move the needle. And it hasn't, so we can go back. Yeah. And, and you know what? With, with measurement in general, and this isn't just in marketing, it's very rare that you get this sort of black and white result of like, yeah. oh, it did or it didn't work. You know, every cloud has a silver lining, I like to say. <laughs> so if you look at going back to attribution, if you look at a given channel and you say, oh, this channel really doesn't have good ROI, maybe we should cut back. Actually, if you lift the lid on that, what you'll find is that there are a few campaigns that are actually doing quite well. <clears throat> and typically the channel is being dragged down by wasted money on, on certain activities. And so actually, you know, you, this learning is invaluable. And so organizations that get it right, get into a test and learn. Mm. And so it becomes part of um, actually digital transformation to be more data driven. You know, we live in a world where data is the new oil. Um, you know, <laughs> leverage your customer data, leverage your marketing yeah, data, yeah. test and learn. And you're not going to develop a culture that does that successfully by just ignoring the problem. It is a process. So as you start to do it, You'll make some mistakes, but you'll learn things. And, you know, in the end, it becomes a very powerful way of advocating for, for your marketing budget yeah. um, and showing that you actually do have control over, over your ROI. Yeah, I totally get that. I think, you know, there's this, 
over the last, what, 10, 15 years, we've been awash with extra data from all sorts of digital sources as marketeers. But that doesn't mean we've got any better or more effective at marketing because we haven't necessarily known what to do with that data. And this is where I think someone like you, Gabe, can come in and say, well, this is what that actually means for you. This is what you, the changes you need to make as a result of the information that you're collecting. Yeah, totally. Um, and that sort of the, the, the crucial thing is, and again, this goes for any measurement, not just marketing, is it, it's no good if you're not making decisions based on it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's no good if you're not taking action. So it's really important to do that, make that leap from you know data and analysis to insight and actual recommendations. Yes. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So if we were to say, you know, if, if you're thinking about getting out started with attribution or marketing measurement, you know, plan for the, the sort of medium to short term, and you know, just get started with some data collection, some simple tests and see what's working and start to learn and, and realize that this isn't a, an overnight fix. It's something that takes, you know, 12 months, 24 months or longer to actually start to get some models that you can strategize based on. Yeah, I think it's really good advice to not let perfect be the enemy of good. Yeah. To actually just, you know, it's a kind of use it or lose it. So it's like your data capability is like a muscle. You know, you need to start using it for it to get stronger and stronger and stronger. So absolutely start somewhere, do something, yeah. Um, yeah. get involved. Uh, with GA4, which which you mentioned earlier, just, just you know, conscious of the time as well. And we really ought to talk about GA4. Yeah. Has, yeah, go on. Well, I mean, it's it's interesting because it took, took us a while to figure this out. But, um, yeah, as I said, you know, really it, 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 you're either looking at DDA or last kick and actually – uh, a lot of the revenue and the sales that are reported now in GA4, it's it's defaulting to this Google data-driven attribution, which we think is better than last click, but there's real question marks over it. There's a lot of distrust, right? Google marking their own homework, as I said. Yeah. But also, exactly what's included, how many touch points. We think it's four. We think they look at four touch points. Google channel definitions, which aren't necessarily the ones you would use. And there's no measure of how accurate it is. But at least it's not last click. But you are relying on Google to tell you what Google is worth. And that's combined with changes in, in Google's um, ad platforms where, you know, now if you, if you, if you put money into something, uh, you're, you're, not, you're not even quite sure what you're buying. Right? You're buying across search and display all at yeah. once. There's multiple bid modifiers. It's not clear exactly what you're buying. Um, you just put more money in and hope to get more, you know, more value out. <laughs> So, so I think it will lead to more people wanting independent measurement. And actually something that's also changed um, with people on GA4 standard now, it's, it's um, also including BigQuery, which I don't know if you know, is the name for the raw data that sits underneath Google Analytics. I didn't know that. Okay. Only, yeah, it used to only be available to people who are on um, you know, the paid for GA360 uh, GA version. They were the only people who would get BigQuery, whereas now everybody gets it to certain volume limits that are quite generous. So people can actually go into that raw data and try to analyze it themselves. Now, good luck with that because it's you know, <laughs> very, very complicated and, and, and so on. And you'll never figure yeah. out how DDA is calculated. I'm not going to begin to think about that, Gabe. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but what I mean is the data is now available to you. So it is, it is a moment where people can... If they you know, find a way to take more control, whether it's buying third-party tools or whether you know bringing in agencies to help them or hiring their own analysts, 
increasingly marketers are being asked to be analysts. And the, one of the big shifts around GA4, to be honest, is it's much more of an analyst's tool than a marketer's right. tool, relatively yeah. speaking. Is a lot more of a requirement for you as the you know user to basically analyze your own data. Yeah. That's interesting. So almost for the average marketeer, GA4, albeit more powerful, is more difficult to get to the extract the insights you need to make decisions. So you need an expert in this space to help you interpret it, perhaps. I mean, at least at the very least, you, you probably need someone to help you set it up. You need a bit of thought into setting the thing up. There's less reports that are out of the box. Yeah. There's this sort of report builder thing called Explore, which is a bit like Tableau or something. If you're not used to Tableau, then you want to find someone who is used to it and, and really just go, okay, what, what are we, you know, what are we saying here? What are we reporting on here? Mm. But sooner or later, you know, you're going to hit these problems I was talking about of, okay, but we're not valuing whatever it is. You know, sometimes it's call center sales or sometimes it's the fact that your website generates leads that are then actually resolved on the telephone if you're a travel agency, yeah, for example, yeah. or, or, or the impressions and that, that whole business about, yeah, but what's the value of social? So sooner or later, you're going to realize that it's just not enough to look at these reports. Um, and GA4 is actually going to accelerate that because it's sort of no longer just giving you the answer. It's much more go figure, you know, than it, than it was before. That's interesting. I think for the average marketeer, that's going to be an issue unless they've got it set up by an expert or they're, they're able to see, you know, reports and dashboards that they can easily digest. I mean, I guess, you know, look, it, it, it's already had quite a lot of changes made yeah. to it. And there's like a template library of Explore reports you can pull. Yeah. So I, I yeah. think what will happen as well is a lot of self-help material will appear online, already has to a certain extent. Yeah. So if you are, you know, a very small organization struggling, you don't have the resources, you know, you can't afford the support or whatever, you, you can still use this. It's just a bit of a learning curve. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people are complaining about J4 because, you know, what it's different. Uh, and the one thing to say about J4, by the way, is it had to happen. I mean, they really did need to, you know, sprinkling the whole thing. They brought in this a new event-based approach, which is the right approach. But it did have to happen. But, um, you know, people don't like change. And it, it does require just a bit more effort in that setup phase. Yeah, I completely agree. Everyone is afraid of change. Just on that term, event-based approach, how is that different to what we had before with the Universal Analytics? Well, before there was much more emphasis on page views and sessions, and essentially there were events, but there were different kinds of um, metrics that sort of ran it. So now everything can be brought back to an event. And an event is, uh, you know, in, in, in the day, back in the day, right, you would literally go from one, you know, HTML web page to another. And so, but, but now when you've got sort of dynamic web pages, which have now been around for years, and of course you've got, um, you know, most usage is now mobile, which is much better integrated into GA4, by the way. Um, so the idea that of scrolling or clicking or searching and all those individual actions that you take are much more front and central. And then you can still work them back to things like users and sessions and page views. So, you, you know, you can have a page view event or a session start event, for example. Yeah. Um, and the other thing they've done that's quite nice is that, do you remember the bounce rate? You know about yeah. bounce rates. Yeah, absolutely. It's still there, but it's actually more or less been deprecated for the main reports. And instead, there's a, a sort of inverse metric, which is engagement. So the, the main measure of users, for example, is active users, and these are users who effectively haven't bounced. 
So engagement is you know, bouncing is coming to the site, not doing anything, if you like. Yeah, uh, that's not the technical definition. <laughs> uh, engagement is coming to the site and doing something. So it's a much more positive measure to go. Oh, if someone comes and they interact with this site at all, then that's something we want to encourage. And we should be focusing our attention on the active users and not the people who are just leaving. And so instead of decreasing bounces, you're now increasing engagement. It's the same thing, but it's framed in a more positive way. Yeah, I like that. And in actual fact, most marketeers at some point will say an objective is more engagement. So it kind exactly. of fits within our vocabulary very nicely. So yeah, you, it's, it's, it's the missing metric. Yeah, go on. Do, do you think then that this move to GA4, because as you said, there's been a lot of negativity around it. But do you think it, overall it's a positive thing? It had to happen. It's a useful thing for the industry to have moved on a bit. I, I, I think it's really it's really hard to say. I, I think there's so many things that have changed. Um, it, I think that Google could have done a bit more work on creating, you know, just familiar looking out of the box reports. That I mean, there's things like I mean, I'm sure they'll fix this. But if you look at total sessions by channel. There's no, there's no total, you know, on, on, on that report. Like some of the basic functionality is just, just sort of missing. All the work seems to have gone into this explore report builder. Mm. And, and that, as I say, requires you to sort of do a bit of a DIY on it. But it's, it's already changing quite rapidly. And their approach is launch and iterate. And you've got to remember that, you know, GA Universal Analytics was built on top of all the previous versions of GA going all the way back to their purchase of Urchin, which was already a good product in 2005. So, yeah, gosh, is that what that was? Know, they thrown out everything and started again. So at some point they had to do that. Yes, and in that sense, it's a good thing. Uh, I just feel for the small business owners who are so dependent on GA now having to cope with it. Yeah, and somebody I know, uh, an old friend, I suppose, or old colleague, he launched an, a company called Plausible Analytics as an alternative to GA4, and actually the, the GA4 move has enabled him to ride a wave and grow his business extraordinarily quickly. Oh, it's a huge opportunity for guys like that. It's a huge opportunity. Um, I mean, it's an opportunity for us as well. You know, now that you're forced to use DDA, people are saying, well, hold on a minute. What is my attribution model? What does it even mean? How does it work? Yeah. And we're saying, well, you know, you can have your attribution model how you want it. You can can do it all custom. You can have objective measures of accuracy. And we can help you do that. And we can also help you understand what it means and recommendations and all the rest of it. So it's a big opportunity for anyone who works in measurement, actually. So I don't know whether or not GA are going to see people walking away. Um, potentially, you know, potentially there will be a bit of a, a bit of a hemorrhage. In the end, I think most people will grudgingly accept it. They'll ship a few improvements. There'll be a library of, you know, there'll be a community of support and some templates, and everyone will, will stop grumbling about it. So, you know, <laughs> let's see where we are in a, in a year, year or so when yeah. all the folks have been forced uh, forced over. Yeah, no doubt. And I think all marketeers need to remember that, you know, it's a free product. <laughs> right, so, exactly. You, know, you, you have to go with what changes are given to you and when you're not actually able to influence through paying license fees, for example. It's pretty amazing. And actually, you know, you think we all know Google Search and YouTube are huge, but I can't remember exactly where I heard this. But, you know, Google Analytics is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, hit on Google servers. Like every website in the world is running, even those that are running paid for alternative analytics version are usually running GA um, standard as well as a sort of free checkup. 
Oh, really? The amount of hits that, that Google gets off of Google Analytics is astonishing. It's a pretty and there heavy. we are indeed providing this for free. And there we are all grumbling about the fact that we're getting this incredible state-of-the-art <laughs> analytics provided to us for free. It's just like, that's, that's what we are now. How dare they provide us this amazing service? For exactly, free. yeah. <laughs> Gabe, I think I could carry on talking to you and, and learning from you for the next couple of hours, but the show length is normally about half an hour and we're well over that. So I think we Fair need enough. to bring it to a close. But I would love to get your take on, uh, are there any kind of resources, books, podcasts, things that you read or listen to that you think that marketeers that want to raise their game in measurement need to uh, look at? Oh, gosh, you put me on the spot there. Um, wow. Well, uh, we publish quite a lot on our website. So metagenie.com, M-E-T-A-G-E-N-I.com. We have an <laughs> insights page where I've written quite a lot of uh, gubbins and, and put out videos and things like that. So you're welcome to go there. I really think it's worth, I mean, there's so much that's, that's in terms of free resources that are out there. And some of the larger companies, they have published quite good frameworks. This, this framework that I've talked about. So actually, you know, Meta and Google talk about the importance of combining attribution, econometrics and measurement. There's some serious thinking that, 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 that goes into that. Podcasts, I don't know. I mean, uh, For the Love of Marketing is one that I recently participated in that I quite like. Excellent. Uh, but Through the Line is the one you really want. Do, <laughs> you really want do, do you know what, Gabe? I've asked that question so many times and nobody ever <laughs> says that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one you want. Yeah. <laughs> I like I like um, um, more or less the, the, the radio for you know I'm I'm quite interested general data driven decision making and thinking yeah. about that sort of stuff so I, I like you know getting away from marketing uh, I, I like I like that kind of stuff excellent excellent yeah. Gabe I think at some point I'll have to get you back to talk more about econometrics and marketing mixed modeling because I think that we barely even scratched the surface of that and it's such a big subject isn't it but we're, we're definitely out of time for today so thanks ever so much again for coming on the show I've really enjoyed the conversation I've learned a lot and I'm sure everyone that listens to this will do so so I appreciate you sharing that value my pleasure thank you Andy it's been fun excellent and uh, see you again soon hopefully here we go Thank you.